Hello, and welcome to Do It For Grantly, a podcast brought to you by Fortress Fund Managers, where we speak with women and men in Barbados about their Grantleys and other money matters. I'm Kim Howard, Marketing Manager at Fortress, and my co-host is Omar Kennedy. Hello, listeners. An entrepreneur, author, and former financial manager. In today's episode, Show Me the Money, we'll learn how the Fortress Investment Team chooses the stocks and bonds that make it into the portfolios of their regional and global mutual funds. Today's special guest is Peter Arinder, Chief Investment Officer at Fortress, who will also tell us how their mutual funds have been performing so far for the year and what they anticipate in the months ahead. We truly appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. So let's get to it. Financial security doesn't grow on trees. It's built brick by brick with smart investments and a strong partner. To retirement, education, and whatever your future may hold, we say bring it on. At Fortress Fund Managers, we're not afraid of the hard work, long hours, or steady saving, just like you aren't. We know better than anyone that you can't just hope for good luck. Call Fortress Fund Managers on 435-7777 to build your personal fortress. Your future, our business, Fortress. Today, we're going to be talking with Peter Arinder from Fortress Fund Managers. Hi, Peter. Hello. <laughs> yeah, Peter just did a real champion move, but no one can no see can it. No one can see it. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was a little concerned just now. So this is audio only? Let me get this straight. Yeah, okay. this is only audio. Uh, that one has a good camera, though. <laughs> <laughs> too late, too late. Uh, yeah, okay. Today's episode is called Show Me the Money. And speaking about Show Me the Money, I want to just remind you that Fortress Fund Managers has been around since 1996. We provide mutual funds for investors of all sorts, from individuals to companies uh, who are providing services for their employees or for future investments for their shareholders. I'm going to let Omar tell you a little bit more about what mutual funds are. Okay, uh, a mutual fund is an investment product which investors can put their money in, it creates a pool, and then the fund manager's fortress would take their money, would take your money, I'm sorry, and then invest it in companies and countries all over the world. The good thing about this is is that you get to benefit from the principle of diversification, not putting all of your eggs in one basket. So if you're investing by yourself, maybe you'll be able to invest in maybe one, two, or three different companies. But through Fortress, you'll be able to invest in hundreds of different countries and companies around the world. So that this makes you able to maximize your potential returns and minimize any potential risk. There you go. And just to remind you as well that this is our 11th episode but we also have plenty of other episodes available all on our website. You can check it out at fortressfund.com or you can listen on any of the podcast apps that you may normally listen to podcasts on. We're available there as well. As I mentioned, we have Peter Arinder, who is the Chief Investment Officer at Fortress Fund Managers. How are you doing, Peter? I'm great, Kim. Good. Tell us a little bit about that role. What is the Chief Investment Officer like? What does that What does that entail, and what do you do? It's an investment team of three people, and uh, the investment team. If if our if our firm was a restaurant, uh, we'd be the guys in the kitchen, right? So we're doing the cooking, and um, back there, what we're doing is Omar just alluded to with the construction of diversified portfolios. Mm-hmm. What we are doing is, if in the case of stocks, looking around the world for shares of companies that we can buy 
uh, that, that have the characteristics we want, you know, good quality companies with good quality earnings, uh, and whose shares we can buy at reasonable prices because we're value investors. So really that's our work day in and, and day out, um, looking to, um, at the margins, sort of buy things that look like they're a little cheaper than they should be, uh, sell things gradually look like they've gotten more expensive than they than they should be so all the while what we get is a portfolio that's spread across uh, across companies spread across industries spread across different countries around the world Mm -hmm. and all of those things what they have in common is their little bits of ownership in case of in case of shares little bits of ownership of good companies earning money uh, that we purchased at a reasonable price. So um, our job, sometimes in in the news, um, it's meant to make finance and investing sound super exciting. Uh, we subscribe to the theory that uh, investing is a lot like uh, piloting a, a jetliner. Um, if you're doing it right, it's not exciting. Um, hmm. if, if, something's, if, some, if it's exciting, you're doing something wrong, right? So we focus very much on the long term. As again, we're owning good investments for the long term, and that's our that's our job. So, how how do you identify exactly what you want to invest in? Well, I guess it starts by having an idea in your head of what what characteristics you want to see, mm-hmm. um, and we have to keep it simple because there. Are, you know, number one, we're not that smart, um, and number <laughs> number two. Um, there's so many competing uh, things for your attention, as we all know. We all consume news. Uh, the investment news is possibly the worst of all kinds. It's coming out all the time. It's always very emotionally charged. It's always trying to convince you that there's something new and exciting and different and possibly scary happening today um, that you should respond to. Um, so we find that the simpler we can keep it, the better. The better for us, the better for everybody, because the fact is there's not something new to do every day. We find that the fundamentals of the companies in which we invest, and by fundamentals I mean the earnings, right? How much is the company earning? What does its balance sheet look like? Those things change very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. And across a portfolio of companies, 30, 50, 60, 100 companies, as you mentioned earlier, change even slower on average. But what changes every day is the prices. And the prices are changing largely because of the news flow, things back and forth and inside and outside. So we find that um, the edge we have, right, if we sitting here in Barbados have an edge against other investors, it's a way to, if to the extent we can simplify, mm-hmm. to the extent that we can cut away the noise and focus on the things that actually matter, and we're positioning our investors for, for good, long-term, uh, good long-term results um, and minimizing the risks that we take. Perfect. So you said focusing on the things that matter. You talked about underlying fundamentals. And basically, that's you said the balance sheet, those things that don't really change that significantly. So take us through just a little bit um, of your process. So in, in terms of examining those things, how does somebody working in the kitchen of the firm, mm-hmm. basically in the in the investment team, how do you pick out a company, say today, and determine what those fundamentals? Like, how do you get access to their balance sheet? How do you then make that decision that yes, this one is a go, that one is not? We um, typically are looking to find the best investments around the world. So that means looking at what's available all around and wanting to own the best of things that exhibit the best characteristics. So the easiest things are going to be, let's take earnings. That's a simple simple thing to understand, and it's a, it drives a lot of uh, the reason why somebody would want to invest in a company. And a company, to go back to first principles, um, you can keep your money in a mattress or in, or in the bank account, but for the long term, that's a bad idea. And the reason it's a bad idea is because you're going to forego a lot of growth and you're going to risk... Um, inflation eating away at the value of your money. If your money is invested in shares of a company that every day is earning money, 
um, then over time that your money should should grow, um, all things being equal. So earnings is a reasonable place to start. So in terms of where we get the information, um, it's a little tougher in the Caribbean. Um, so in, as we do invest in the Carib- in Barbados and around the Caribbean as well as in the U.S. and, and globally, um, we have to do a bit more legwork, to be honest, to get the information um, that we base our investment decisions on in the Caribbean. So those are going to come from company quarterly reports, company annual reports. Um, we do the boring stuff, stripping them apart, putting them in spreadsheets, trying to understand what the dynamics are behind the, what's going on at the company, um, what the risks might be. Um, we'll listen to conference calls, we'll attend meetings, all those things in, in, the, um, in the Caribbean region. Uh, globally, in, in a way, it gets a little bit, uh, a little bit easier um, because the data are just far more readily available. So we can strip apart the 500 companies in the S&P 500 index, an index of large capitalization U.S. companies. Um, we can look at any, we can slice and dice the numbers any way that we want to, and we're big fans of that. Um, we like to say that when we're analyzing companies, we take the names off of them uh, because we don't care if a dollar earned is earned by a company called IBM or a, or a dollar is earned by a company called God enterprises or a dollar is earned by something called Apple. So we're looking for um, the same kind of characteristics in any company, which is a responsive balance sheet, good earnings, good dividend policy, various things that are are usually consistent with good long-term returns, all available at a reasonable reasonable price. Keep on saying the reasonable price thing. I I noted that. A question I have. You mentioned um, it's like a restaurant. In a restaurant, you, know, you may have somebody who's just there for the meat, somebody may be a vegetarian, somebody may want to eat dessert first. I know Fortress has different investment products. So can you tell us a little bit more about the products which you guys have and is investing in, say, the Grow Fund, um, the same, uh, you look for the same types of investments as for something which may be a bit more conservative? Great question. Um, in Barbados, we have two primary funds. Uh, the uh, Caribbean Growth Fund, which invests primarily in stocks, so mm-hmm. little pieces of ownership of, of companies, and the Caribbean High Interest Fund, which invests primarily in bonds, which is effectively we're lending to governments and, and to companies. Uh, the High Interest Fund typically is going to be less risky. Um, it's going to, and by risky, you typically mean it bounces around less. There's less chance that over a given two or three year window, you're going to have a negative return. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that fund, we're looking almost exclusively at fixed income instruments. So deposits, bonds, things that pay a fixed rate for a fixed period of time. Um, and it doesn't mean that those are always and everywhere less risky. And we've just seen a case in Barbados last year, as you probably know, where the government of Barbados uh, embarked on a comprehensive restructuring uh, of its of its bonds, um, and restructuring is a polite word for default, um, where <laughs> really we come to a point where a borrower sometimes can't pay back. And the, the important thing to note about bonds um, is that when an issuer, someone who's issued a bond, can't pay back, the value of those bonds will tend to fall substantially. And it doesn't, that's more what we call a permanent impairment of the capital. It's not going to bounce back like a share price that's come down and will bounce back. It's down and down and out, knocked, knocked out. Permanent. Permanent. <laughs> a perma- the word permanent comes to mind. Permanent impairment <laughs> of capital. Um, at Fortress, we had very, we, at the time, we had very limited exposure to the government of Barbados mm-hmm. uh, debt um, because it, through most of the last few years, it hasn't met our requirement for those more conservative investments that you mentioned mm-hmm. of offering a, a, a proper or an appropriate, I should say, rate of return given the level of risk, which we perceive to be quite high before, and frankly, we still perceive to be quite high, high today. Um, so 
High interest fund is in our fixed income investments, whether in Barbados or globally, are going to be more conservative, and we're more concerned about preservation of capital. And when we think long-term growth assets, like our Caribbean Growth Fund in Barbados, we're really thinking more about investing in companies, good earnings, good growth at reasonable prices. Understood. And to be fair, as we all know, in the short term or medium term, uh, prices of stocks can bounce around more than prices of high-quality bonds can. So that's why we tend to suggest that people who invest in a fund like the Caribbean Growth Fund will have a longer time horizon because over the long term, we can have much greater um, certainty over what the outcomes would be. Um, but in the short term, as we all know, anything anything can happen. Okay. So speaking of that, how have those funds, you mentioned the Fortress Caribbean Growth Fund, which is your equity fund or your stock fund, and the Fortress Caribbean High Interest Fund, which is your bond fund or fixed income fund, how have those been performing so far for the year? Thankfully, 2019 is proving to be nicer than 2018. 2018 (laughs) uh, was a year where just about every asset on planet Earth uh, was in, in the red. Uh, as the Federal Reserve in the U.S. was raising interest rates, there were the the worries over trade frictions continued to grow. Um, so it was really a no-win situation in, in 2018. A lot of assets got priced uh, priced lower. Uh, Caribbean Growth Fund was down a few percent last year. Uh, it's up five six percent so far in 2019. Um, and uh, on the Caribbean High Interest Fund front. Uh, we're down just marginally uh, last year and up about two percent so far so far this year. And I think we really encourage investors to you know it's 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 nice to to know how things are moving around every month every every quarter. We provide the quarterly reports to our investors. We provide as much commentary as people would like to consume. Um, we're always happy to answer questions, and people can always check the net asset values weekly on these funds. If you're curious what the value is, you can check it weekly. Having said that. We're big believers in in set it and forget it. Uh, these are long-term investments, and it's best to uh, to leave them. I think the way things are priced today, we would suspect that the Caribbean High Interest Fund, the holdings in that fund, are probably priced to deliver something around two and a half to three percent over the medium term per year over the over the next few years. And the assets in the Caribbean Growth Fund are better value than they've been in quite some time. We're pretty much fully invested in that fund, and we think over the medium to long term, that fund is priced, right? So back to the idea of price, um, to deliver something in the mid to high single digits per year um, in terms of returns. Okay, now no, that, that leads us to a very, very important um, follow-up question. Um, there is a comment, there is a, a, a statement which we hear a lot, that past performance is not indicative of future results, so um, you know how 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 does that how does that tie into to what we're discussing? It's a great point because the the um, studies have shown that the the average mutual fund in like the United States was a lot of data. The the average mutual fund uh, underperforms uh, the, the market because mm-hmm. of typically because of fees and because of of in, in aggregate in total um, and a, a difficulty of adding value. Um, and that's a, that's a that's a difficulty that's, that's generally part of any developed market. Um, what's talked about a lot less, and I think is probably more important, is the fact that the average mutual fund investor underperforms the average mutual fund by way more. Okay, so there's a huge gap between what the average mutual fund does in terms of performance mm-hmm. and what. The people you see in the street who are the actual investors in the funds, what their actual experience is. Mm-hmm. And the question, why is that? The reason is because 
we're humans. We're wired wrong for investing. We're wired to think that when something's gone up in price, it means it's going to keep going up in price more. Mm-hmm. And we're wired to think when something comes down in price that it's going to keep going down more. Mm-hmm. And the fact is that, remember we said earlier, the underlying fundamentals, if we take the stock market, the underlying fundamentals of companies, especially once you mash a whole bunch of them together and get a massive diversified company, mm-hmm don't really change that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so when prices go down, really that means that things are getting cheaper and the expected returns for future are going up. Similarly, when prices go up, what it's doing is it's borrowing returns from the future and it means that the future expected returns are coming down. So I think there, there is, we, we really suggest and encourage investors to, we know it requires thinking backwards. We know we live this day in, day out, so it's very familiar to us and we recognize that it's not as familiar to everybody. But the, the, the trick is, back to long-term, investing in, in portfolios that make sense, that are, that are priced to deliver the kinds of returns that, that you need or that you expect, mm-hmm. that are investing in good long-term assets with proper underlying engines of return, and don't be afraid when stuff goes down, right? When you go to the grocery store and things are on sale, do you buy more of them or less of them? Right, same, same groceries, yeah, right? Definitely, definitely. So, I mean, and you know, to extend the the grocery store analogy, it's kind of how we like to think of how we construct our portfolios, right? Mm-hmm. If we're if we're the guys in the kitchen and we're sent off to the grocery store to buy this buy the supplies for the kit for the kitchen, we're going to wander around and see what's on sale. We're not going to always buy the most expensive things. We want we want things to be nutritious, delicious. We want to make good recipes, but. At the margin, we can we can react to what what to, what's on sale today. And I know all the, of your analogies are based around food. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's almost lunchtime. <laughs> That's actually very insightful because the whole idea of shopping, not panicking when things um, start to decline or in value, and also not going too nuts when you assume that because things have gone up in value, that it's going to continue. Um, how do you? Personally, as an investor, I mean, you've been doing this for some some years, and as an investment manager, how do you manage to, you know, follow that instruction? You know, you said we were wired wrong to think about investing, but how have you managed to counteract that kind of false wiring or incorrect wiring? That's a that's a great question, um, and, and I guess the the um, it, it has two parts to it. Well, one one is the the idea that uh, Omar that you raised earlier about the diversification, um, where any one stock can go down to zero. Right, it becomes very unlikely that the 50 or 100 stocks you own are all going to go to zero. Right, so so there's strength in numbers in that sense, and the word diversification is just shorthand to get at that. So the one one thing you can, you you know, we can professionally or investors can in their own uh, in their own investing lives. Um, once you're once you're exposed to a diversified portfolio of well-selected companies, that should give you a measure of comfort just to start with. Okay? Lower risk, lower risk, right? Mm-hmm. So bad, we like to say bad things happen to expensive stocks. So if you structurally always own overpriced expensive securities, mm-hmm. even if you're diversified, you're not going to necessarily have a great experience. But if you're structurally exposed to well-valued securities, well-diversified, that at least that's, that checks the first box that I think can help us, on, us in the kitchen as well as everybody in the dining room feel, feel more comfortable. Um, the second thing is, I mean, to be honest, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's something that um, it takes years. It really does. And, and the more you can understand about the theory behind it, the more you can see things play out up one market cycle, down another market cycle, the more you can feel your own emotions at times because 
we are all human. I mean, right. last December when the markets were selling off dramatically, um, guess what? Our response was we were putting money into the market into the well-valued stocks that we liked. Really? So mm-hmm. prices come down. Guess what? Things are, on, things are on sale. We're buying. And we had a significant amount of cash in the Caribbean Growth Fund that we were able to deploy uh, during the sale that happened in December of, of, uh, of 2018. And... I'll tell you, at the time, it doesn't. F- who knew that was the right thing to do? Everything could have fallen a lot more, and it may yet fall more. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's. Uh, I would not want to create the impression that that it is. Uh, you know that we're we're robots. We're human also, and you feel the fear at the time. And, and one of the things you do is you notice that. Hold on a second. You can observe yourself. Step outside. Are you feeling fear? Mm-hmm. Yes. If so, guess what? Everybody else is feeling it too. And, you know, the, as Warren Buffett is fond of saying, you pay a high price in the stock market for a cheery consensus. And <laughs> on the other side of that, right, if there's not a cheery consensus, if there's fear, if you know there's fear, because you can observe the things you're looking for in the market that are hallmarks of fear, but guess what? You also feel it inside yourself. You know, that helps you give an idea that, th- that probably a sale is happening, right? Because when you're in a store, when a sale is happening, they put signs up. When the stock, in the financial markets, when a sale is happening, it's not always as clear, right? How big is the sale? How relevant is the sale? So we're looking for a bunch of different um, things. And so I guess, Kim, to your question, um, you know, we use our responses as, as people because we have them. Um, but we also uh, have very strong and rigorous disciplines around how we construct portfolios, how we allocate into investments, and how we, uh, how we measure the success of those investments. Does that theoretically mean that an individual investor who is also aware of these headlines should rush in with a lump sum at the point when these things seem to be happening, like, say, December 2018, when there was all this big sell-off in the market? Should somebody have rushed in there with a lump sum at that point, or is that not necessarily the best strategy? We find the best strategy is what we call dollar cost averaging, which is to just put a steady amount of money in you know, on a regular basis, let's say monthly. Um, and guess what that means? When prices come down, it means you're actually buying more than when prices are higher. So we find that's the best way. Um, but because the price has gone down. Yeah, the you're price has gone down. More, right. So, so if you're putting the same $100 in every, every month, when prices are down, you're just going to buy more of the security because the prices are, are lower. So that helps. Right. helps you buy more when prices are lower. Um, the, that's the the everybody can win if we all do that <laughs> method. That's the, the standard advice, and I think it's standard because it's the best one. It doesn't mean it's easy to do because, as I think you pointed out previously, you know, people will hit, get into a regular savings program, and then when it becomes inconvenient, sometimes step away from it, or the news That's gets true. bad. Oh, I only wanted to do my regular saving when the news was good. Well, well guess what? It's when the news is bad that your regular saving <laughs> is going to do the most for you. So, Absolutely, yeah. So that's the number one advice. And then... If you happen to be one of those people who who is um, cursed with being wired that way or blessed with being wired backwards and you see pain and you see discomfort and you read the news and you say, wow, these news stories sound pretty sensational um, and prices are down a lot, if you can at that point come and put a lump sum into something reasonably priced, well-managed and diversified, more power to you. That is exactly the best thing that, that you can do. But I think it's that's a lot to ask for people who aren't doing it professionally. Number one thing I'd say, just the steady saving, and not only the best thing is keep doing it when the, the, if there's fear out there. Okay. Okay. Well, well, that's that's very good. Actually, leads me to my next question. Um, well, pers- we, we know Fortress has done very well over over time. You've been in the game for a very long time, and you have proven yourselves. Um, but a lot of persons may not understand that anyone can invest. What are the minimums to invest in any of these funds? Is it is it expensive? Is it cheap? How 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 does it look? 
In Barbados, one of the one of the main missions of our company is, is to have great investment products that everybody can access. And the Caribbean Growth Fund people can access for a minimum of $100, the wow. high interest fund for only $500. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to pretend that if you're investing $100 that you're suddenly securing your financial future. Like We all know it's going to take a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. But the on-ramp is low. Right? You can get on easily. You can make a start. You can make a start with the behavior that will lead to, to mm-hmm. things that will help you accumulate uh, significant wealth over time. And um, and we, as Kim noted earlier, we have investors uh, of all sizes, you know, um, from people just starting out to people who've been investing for decades and who've accumulated the, the wealth to show it. So, uh, But we strongly believe in making sure that, to the extent we can, that our funds are structured in a way that, uh, that everybody can make a start. Okay, that's awesome. And then in terms of, you talked about the performance as well, I'm just going to talk back a little bit of the fund so far for this year, you know, we've been up a little bit and it's an improvement over where you were last year or where, where the market was last year. How are things looking? Do you ant- or can you anticipate how things will look for the rest of the year? Do you have soothsayer abilities? I have, we, have absolute, we have absolutely no soothsayer abilities. So, so the, the best the, the best thing is they say that the things are dangerous. The things you don't know are dangerous, but the things that are most dangerous of all are the things you think you know that just aren't <laughs> so. Um, and we we try very much to to focus on a, on a, a discipline that is about how are we positioned are we positioned in things that have appropriate risk um, and appropriate prices, um, and then it's we're not really forecasting what's what's going to happen. Having said that, we're humans. We're going to sit there and guess and look around and, and see the news flow. I, sitting here today, I would guess that um, you know we've got uh, um, a president in the U.S. is looking to get reelected. Um, I would be very surprised if the self-inflicted wounds of the uh, the trade tensions uh, continue for much longer. I think you're going to find that if the Fed can stay on hold for the next several months, if uh, that's the Federal Reserve, the Federal, the US? US Federal Reserve, yeah, mm-hmm. so keeping interest rates approximately unchanged as they just, as they communicated they would do um, uh, from from last December. Um, You've got a pretty good economy in the U.S. Like it really is. It's uh, these are self-inflicted wounds that we're dealing with still. They were last year. They are again this year. It doesn't mean that that the e- economic recovery has to continue forever. It doesn't mean the profit growth has to continue forever. And it certainly, in our view, doesn't mean that the the kinds of companies whose share prices have benefited um, have to continue in the same way they have. We we are big believers are going to be a, a broadening and changing of the guard in terms of what kinds of companies' shares are going to are going to to, uh, to, to benefit in the coming years. Um, but I, I think that, just as a guess, a lot of bad news out there right now still, um, especially as it relates to international and emerging markets. And uh, guess what? That's where we're finding some of the best value in the world right now, right? So as we troll around the world looking for companies that are, meet our criteria, that are mm-hmm. good companies, good earnings, um, available at good prices, guess what? Um, the UK. There's bad news about Brexit, and there's a lot of shares there that are available on sale. Um, things associated with uh, emerging Asia, China-related, lots of stuff on sale there. So, you know, um, I, I would suspect that um, if I had to guess, um, 2019 will still be a, a significantly positive year, and uh, there are enough assets priced in the world that at reasonable prices that. Nothing moves in a straight line, but I think you can still generate a pretty good rate of return by owning well-valued stocks. Could you quickly let us know what are the pros and cons of mutual fund investing? Oh, are there cons? I didn't know there were any cons. <laughs> we don't like to say cons and mutual fund investing in the same same sentence. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, the 
the, the pro would be, especially in, in, in this region, it's difficult to take your money. And um, with an amount of money that most of us have to invest, especially on a regular basis, get instant diversification and and fairly instant access back to the money if we need it. Okay, so um, I think the pros around mutual fund investing have all to do with the points that you raised earlier. Instant diversification, easy access, and a professionally managed uh, portfolio that has the characteristics that should do well over time. Um, I think the cons uh, would have to do generally with um, what I would classify as user, user error, right? Um, one of the best things about owning a house is that no one tells you how the value of your house is changing every day, right? No one says, guess what? Your house just fell by $20,000 today. Do you want to buy, sell, or hold? <laughs> well, it's my house. I'm in my house. I'm not changing my house. Mm-hmm. And plus, there's not a whole industry of people trying to get you to read news stories about how your house price is about to fall and how you should sell today and try to buy back next week. So I think one of the, the if you want to call it a con, mm-hmm. one thing is that there's free entry and exit to mutual funds, mm-hmm. and it's there's a lo- it's it's easier to make the errors I was alluding to earlier, where you might want to chase something that's going up and then get disillusioned when something's coming coming down, than it is with something where there are, where there's less liquidity, like a house, let's say. Mm-hmm. So I think I would strongly advise people long term perspective. It's uh, you know don't buy more when it goes up necessarily. Certainly don't look to sell when it goes down. Keep saving, keep saving, and invest for the long term. That's how I would think about mutual how to use mutual funds. Okay. Beware emotional investing. Beware, yeah, exactly. Beware. Emotional, emotional <laughs> investor does that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 fam- the famous uh, Ben Graham book is not called The Emotional Investor. It's called The Intelligent Investor. So <laughs> for, for, for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Peter. You've shared a lot of interesting insight with us. Um, value investing, you mentioned. You talked about um, looking for good prices. You talked about looking for prices around the world. You did spend a lot of time talking about the U.S. market, but you also mentioned some things that you know a lot of people are not necessarily aware of that they can access from Barbados, which is you know having access to companies in China or elsewhere in the developing world where uh, people typically think about investing, but through the Fortress Mutual Funds, you do have access to do so. So thank you so much and take care. Until next time. Catch you later. Be sure to join us next week when we discuss investing in your health. Do It For Grantly is a production of Fortress Funds Managers. You can listen to and download all our episodes in all the good places podcasts are available, including SoundCloud, Google and Apple Podcast, TuneIn and more, or on our website, fortressfund.com. That's fortressfund.com. Remember to let us know what you think. So email us at info at fortressfund.com or message us on Facebook or Instagram at Fortress Fund Managers. Most people find out about podcasts through recommendations. So spread the word and tell your friends about our show. Until next time, I'm Kim Howard. And I'm Omar Kennedy. Thanks for listening.